chapter forty two of the maid of scar this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the maid of scar by r d blackmore chapter forty two the little maid and the midshipman in this sad predicament i looked from one to other of them hoping for some counsel there was moxy crying quite as if it were her own child almost and there was peggy the milking-maid allowed to offer her opinion having had a child although not authorized to produce one also myself in uniform and black evan coming up softly with a newly discovered walk and yet not one had a word to say except poor little dear sometimes and sometimes we must trust in god i tell you i cried that never does and i never knew good come of it a man's first place is to trust to himself and to pray to the lord to help him have you nothing more to say here be all her little things black evan whispered to his wife put them ready to go with her his two great hands were full of little odds and ends which she had gathered in her lonely play along the beach and on the sand-hills is that all that you can do watkin could do more than that and now where is young watkin they assured me there was no more to do they were tired of trying everything as for watkin he it was who had brought the malady into the house and now they had sent him for change of air to an uncle he had at linvey concerning delushy there was nothing for her to do but to die and to go to heaven she shan't die i tell you i cried out strongly you are a set of hopeless ones twice have i saved her life before when i was only a fisherman i am a man in authority now and please god i am just in time to save her life once more my friends do you give her up you stupids they plainly thought that i was gone mad by reason of my rise in life and tenfold sure of it they were when i called for a gown of red pembrokeshire flannel belonging to moxy for ten years now however poor moxy herself went for it and i took the child out of her stuffy bed and the hot close room containing it and bore her gently in my arms with the red flannel round her and was shocked to find how light she was down the great staircase i took her and then feeling her breath still going and even a stir of her toes as if the life was coming back to her what did i do but go out of doors into the bright may sunshine i held her uncommon and clearly shaped face on my bosom to front the sunlight and her long eyelashes lifted and her small breast gave three sighs good-bye all of you i cried she comes away with me this minute peggy may come if she likes with half a sheep on her back to-morrow and so she did and i could not give her less than half a crown for it because of the difference and the grace of god to darling bardie in my arms the whole way home she lay like a new-born lamb almost with her breath overcome at first and heavily drawn while her eyes were waking then as the air of the open heaven found its way to her worn-out lungs down her quiet eyelids dropped with a sleepy sense of happiness and her weak lips dreamed of smiling and her infant breast began to rise and fall quite steadily and so she fell into a great deep sleep and so i took her to my home and the air of newton saved her 
our bunny was very good there could hardly have been any better child when her victuals were not invaded she entered into bardie's condition and took quite a motherly attitude towards her and while the tiny one lay so weak bunny felt that the lead of mind was hers for the present and might be established by a vigorous policy however in this point she was wrong or at any rate failed to work it out in a fortnight bardie was mistress again and poor bunny had to trot after her now although it was very pleasant to see the thankfulness of black evan when he came over every day and brought his pockets full of things and tried to look pleased when truthful bardie refused outright to kiss him pleasant also for me to be begged not only to fish but even to shoot perhaps because now the wrong time of year in and over and through a place where the mere sight of my hat had been sure to lead to a black eye under it in despite of all these pleasures i perceived that business must be thoroughly attended to and taking this view i was strengthened in my own opinions by the concurrence of every neighbour possessing a particle of sense not only mother jones who might be hard from so much family but also the landlord of the jolly quite agreed with the landlady and even crumpy a man of the utmost tenderness ever known almost and who must admire children because he never yet had owned any all these authorities agreed that i must take care what i was about for my part finding their opinions go beyond my own almost or at any rate take a form of words different from my own and having no assurance how it might end i felt inclined to go back and give fair play to both sides of the argument but as often happens when a man desires to see the right and act strictly up to it the whole affair was interrupted and my attention called away by another important matter and the duty springing out of it and this came to pass in the following manner it happened upon oak apple morning that i was down on a little sand-hill smoking a pipe and with both children building houses upon my pumps these pumps had lovely buckles of the very latest regulation and it was a pleasure to regard them when at leisure and reflect upon their quality as well as signification the children however took this matter from another point of view and there was scarcely anything to their little minds more delightful than to obscure my pumps with sand and to put up a tower over them and then if i moved down came the hole and instead of themselves they laughed at me i had worked very hard in the alcestis and for almost a week after landing found it a most delicious thing because so incomprehensible to have nothing whatever to do but long before now i was tired of it and yearned to put on my old slops again and have a long day of fishing as if bunny's life and mine hung on it and when i gave a feast of turbot caught by that excellent sandy macraw and paid for at just what he chose to charge you would not have guessed it but such were my feelings that i only could make believe to eat and sandy himself by special desire took the foot of the table and went largely into everything but behaved uncommonly well for him now this is just the way i keep on going out of the proper track if i could not train a gun much straighter than i can tell a story france would have conquered england i believe in spite of nelson it is the excess of windage coming down to me from great bards which prevents my shot from flying point-blank as it ought to do nevertheless the village children loved my style especially since his majesty had embellished me 
and this was why i shunned the well and sat among the sand-hills for really it was too hard to be expected to have in throat a new story never heard before every time a little pitcher came on the head of a little maid to be filled and then to go off again bardie and bunny knew better than that and never came for stories till the proper time the twilight now as i was longing much to sacrifice all dignity and throw off gold lace and blue cloth and verily go at the conjures which i did the next day and defied the parish to think what it chose of me i beheld a pair of horses with a carriage after them coming in a lively manner towards my nest of refuge it is useless now i cried aloud i can hope for no more peace everybody knows me or believes it right to know me nevertheless on the whole i felt pleased when i saw that the harness was very bright and the running gear knopped with silver and my amazement was what you may enter into when really the driver proved to be no bigger than that little master rodney blewett he had the proper coachman by his side for fear of accidents but to me who had seen so much of horses now in devonshire it appeared a most rash thing to allow such a boy to navigate however having caught me thus he jumped out without accident while the coachman touched his hat to me or to his majesty as now represented by me then that noble boy as he ought no doubt to be entitled being the son of a nobleman although in common parlance styled an honourable boy which to my mind is no more than a simple contradiction up he ran with his usual haste expecting to find only bunny and me but his astonishment was worth seeing on account of his being such a fair young chap when suddenly he beheld poor bardie standing weakly on her legs not quite re-established yet and in her shy manner of inner doctrine taking observation of him a more free and easy schoolboy there could scarcely be than rodney and as for our bunny he used to toss her until her weight overpowered him but with this little lady looking so pale and drawn and delicate he knew as if by instinct that he must begin very gingerly captain llewellyn he said i am come to tell you that my mind is quite made up i mean to go to sea as soon as i can have my clothes made but young sir i answered with a wish to humour this fine boy yet a desire to escape the noble colonel's anger it is useless now to go to sea there is no war we must wait and trust the lord to send one and how shall i be fit to manage a ship and fight our enemies unless i begin at once and practise captain llewellyn in this there was so much truth as well as sense of discipline moreover such fine power of hope for another good bout at the french that i looked at my pocket lappets for an answer and found none i can stand a great deal he cried on account of my age and so on but i can't stand latin and greek and i cannot stand being put off always i know what they want me to do they want me to grow too old for the navy and i do believe they will manage it i am getting twelve every day almost and i can pull a pair of oars and fire a cannon nine inches long and sail a boat if it doesn't blow for all that i can answer sir my words were being proud of him and you know who taught you this and that and you know that he always did impress upon your early mind the necessity of stern discipline and obedience to superiors your first duty is to your king and country in the glorious time of war but with a wretched peace prevailing your duty is to the powers placed by providence to look after you
i have heard that till i am sick of it he answered rather rudely for i seem to myself to have put it well is that all you can do for me i had better not have come at all look i have five guineas here given me yesterday and all good ones i will put them just in there and my word of honour my boy if it were fifty five hundred or five thousand would an officer of the royal navy think of listening to them you have hurt my sense of honour i beg your pardon captain llewellyn he said hanging down his head but you used not to be quite so proud you used to like five shillings even that is neither here nor there i answered very loftily and increasing his confusion five shillings honourably earned no man need be ashamed of but what you have offered me is a bribe for the low purpose of cheating your good uncle and dear mother you ought to sink into the sand sir he seemed pretty nearly fit to do so for i put a stern face on though all the time i could hardly keep from laughing most good-naturedly when a little hand went into his and a little face defied me poor sick bardie had watched every word and though unable to understand she took hot sides with the weaker one e sant sink into e sand i tell a e yicket bad old davy hot's a done to be cold so i's ver angry wi indeed to go on so to a gentleman by what instinct could she tell that this was a young gentleman by the same i suppose by which he knew that she was a young lady and each of them ready to stand up for the other immediately it made me laugh and yet it is a sad thing to go into now my boy i began for fear of losing the upper hand of them you are old enough to understand good sense when put before you it is true enough that if you mean to walk the planks like a sailor you can hardly begin too soon at the time of life you are come to i was afloat at half your age so far as i can remember but i am bound to lay before you two very serious questions you will have to meet and never escape from every kind of dirt and hardship narrowness and half starving not an atom of comfort left such as you are accustomed to danger i will not speak of because it would only lead you on to it but the other thing is this by going to sea you will for ever grieve and drive out of your prospects not only your good uncle but perhaps almost your mother i thought i had made a most excellent speech and bardie looked up with admiration to know when i meant to finish but to my surprise young rodney took very little heed of it that shows how much you know old davy why i was come on purpose to tell you that they are tired out at last and that i may go to sea if only you will appoint me a place on board of your ship alcestis now do captain llewellyn and i will never forget it to you if ever i become a great man my dear boy i would do it this minute if i had the power but though they call me captain here i am only captain of a gun and instructor of artillery and even our captain himself could not do it he could only take you as a volunteer and now there is no call for them you must get your appointment as midshipman in the regular way from london and the chances are fifty to one against your joining the alcestis that is to say of course unless you have some special interest his countenance fell to the lowest ebb and great tears stood in his bold blue eyes but presently the hopeful spirit of youth and brave lineage returned i will write to my brother in london he said he has never done me a good turn yet perhaps he will begin this time 
not to be too long about it either by that or some other influence he obtained his heart's desire and was appointed midshipman with orders to join the alcestis upon her next appearance off our coast you should have seen the fuss he made and his mother too about his outfit and even colonel lougher could not help being much excited as for me i was forced to go to and fro betwixt newton and candleston court every day and twice a day for the purpose of delivering judgment upon every box that came but when master rodney made me toss his spelling-books and grammar at his breast to practise parrying with his little dirk i begged him to let me take them home as soon as he was tired i have them now with his little stabs in them and they make me almost independent of the schoolmaster in writing not only was i treated so that i need not have bought any food at all except for bardie and bunny but also employed at a pleasant price to deliver lessons every morning as to the names of sails and ropes and the proper style of handling them we used to walk down to the hard seashore with a couple of sharp sticks whenever the tide allowed fair drawing-room and the two little children enjoyed it almost as much as the rising hero did the difficulty was to keep the village children who paid nothing from taking the benefit of my lecture as much as midshipman blewitt did and they might have done so if they cared to do it for i like a good large audience but they always went into playing hopscotch in among my ropes and yards when all done beautifully in fine sand and ready to begin almost for the proper way is to have a ship spread naked first and then hoist sail if you want to show its meaning i could not bear to be hard upon these young ones and some of them good mother jones's own all in a mess of activity and i tried to think that it was all right because money was earning anyhow but i could not reconcile it with my sense of duty to make a game of well-paid work therefore i kept the children out in a manner i need not now describe only you may rely upon it for real ingenuity for children are worse to manage than folk who have been through having them End of chapter 42